Hello and welcome back listeners to a long overdue episode of the Plus Dave podcast. We are of course the Tottenham Hotspur theme show brought to you by a team of Spurs fans and a Leeds fan called Dave and we've had a nice long break to watch the World Cup, very exciting World Cup and we're back down to earth now to talk about Premier League and Spurs and I am joined as always by my two colleagues Dave and Elio who are going to try and remember where we left things off before the World Cup. We're going to talk about the World Cup a little bit and our players represent presentation there and a few other bits and pieces but first of all welcome back guys Elio how have you been? I've been well it's that time of year where you begin to wind down work becomes less important well I'm (laughs) off now for a couple of weeks as I hope are lots of our listeners and Mm -hmm. you can think about how much you're going to eat and drink over the next few days both of which I plan to do a copious amount of. I have no doubt of that and I assume Dave who's already made a good start on the drinking part of that is going to be doing much the same Dave how are you feeling it's a bit of a bizarre time to be a football fan really no one really knows what's up or down at the moment we've come back from the world cup right back into the premier league any idea what's going on not really no it's all a bit of a blur i mean the argentina team is still in buenos aires celebrating <laughs> and probably will be for another two weeks we won't see uh, romero for i feel like i feel like we should be a long time i feel like we should have at least four weeks four weeks of people talking about who's going to sign yeah. you know well i was going to say Julio alvarez but he's, he's yeah, got a team he's yeah. fine but you know the breakout you know I mean? stars um, yeah it, the usual feel like the speculation yeah. before pre-season before a season starts is what we should be doing but instead We've already had some Carling, Carling Cup, Carabao Cup matches. <laughs> Showing and, your age, uh, Dave. And, and we're about to plow straight into the Christmas fixtures. Has it been so called crazy, Carling yeah. Cup since we won since it? Since we won it, exactly, exactly, no. You're welcome. I thought I'd bring back that lovely memory Thank for you. Yeah, we always appreciate that. I know some lovely memory for you as well from Johnny Woodgate. But yeah, it's a very strange time to be a football fan right now. It's very, very odd, but we're going to see where we can pick up and where Spurs what kind of state Spurs are in because we've had a few injuries obviously as Dave mentioned players are still out there living it up and partying but we're going to talk about how our boys did out in Qatar and just the tournament in general and obviously we'll get on to talk about the next game which is Brentford on Boxing Day but Elio let's talk about the World Cup because just focusing on the football it was a hell of a tournament and a bit of a fairy tale ending right football won didn't it in the end um I think there was a lot of good football. I think it was an exciting final, which isn't always the case. I think, as you know, I don't ever want our show to be political, but we're all very well aware of various reasons to be critical of the World Cup. But as a spectacle, as an entertainment factor, Mm. it was thoroughly enjoyable. I can't remember particularly being bored by a single match, to tell you the truth. Mm. It it was really well done. I think the mid-season thing might have added that bit of unknown factor to it as well which is why we got a few funny results early on and yeah yeah, very happy with the ending of it too given that no one can I mean no one should have been anywhere but no one can dispute the greatness of a certain uh, Lionel Messi now either Mm, absolutely and uh, speaking of Lionel Messi and the final of course I wouldn't dare suggest that there would be any corruption or or fixing involved in a Qatar-based FIFA World Cup but were one to fix the perfect final for a Qatar World Cup you might suggest that it would be a Messi versus Mbappe showdown in one of the greatest matches ever played in Qatar where the two players play for Qatari owned PSG Dave one might suggest what did you make of the final oh, you could suggest that I guess <laughs> which I'm not um, for the record so I honestly and I think I messaged you guys when yeah. it happened I did not realize how much I wanted Messi to win oh yeah Mm. And I know you did, Dags. I know that you were you were full power Messi. You were probably Messi first, England second, to be Not honest. Not quite, but almost. Um, uh, nearly. Yeah. But as that final went on and the drama unfolded, I mean, it was just unreal. Mm. An unreal fight. I mean, to be honest, I felt a little bit cheated and it felt like some of the finals that I, I remember from the past in terms of Argentina just dominating France for the first yeah. 75 minutes, you know, similar to the way that France dominated Brazil in 98, for example. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and to an extent, what France did to, to Croatia, to be honest, even though the score was technically closer, mm-hmm. 4-2, but it never felt like Croatia were going to win that. And then it just it just imploded. It, it became a Hollywood a, script, didn't it? A big, a big chaos ball yeah. just rolling uncontrollably towards a conclusion which everybody that I've spoken to yeah. wanted. yeah. Uh, I don't have many French friends, Um, but I'm just glad that it ended that way. Mm. And I'm glad for Messi. Shame he had to put the The ridiculous little 90. The the, the cup, but hey, that's whatever. 
doesn't matter. It doesn't and, take and away avoid from the fact salt that, bay. Yeah, it doesn't. It does, uh, you know, salting steaks and <laughs> a negligee aside, it doesn't take away from the fact that yeah, it's yeah. it is a crowning glory on what is arguably the greatest ever career in the history of football. So I think I showed you guys the videos, but I actually was lucky enough to watch it in an Argentinian gastro pub with a friend, and we went there. We queued up for an hour outside just to get in, even though we were an hour and a half early. But it was unbelievable. It was a, wow. it was a proper kind of family restaurant, so there were kids in there as well. But it was everyone in there was full power Argentina, Messi fans, and the atmosphere was unbelievable. And, and honestly, I've, I've never wanted a team that isn't Spurs or England to win as badly as I did in that game. I was jumping up and down, screaming like it was Spurs in the Champions League final. Honestly, unbelievable scenes. And I think the right result. Elio, I know you've been paying very close attention to Lionel Messi from when he was about 12 onwards, pretty much. Like, you, I, I don't want to give you credit for discovering Messi, but I think actually back in the day, you were the one who first brought him to my attention. And uh, I imagine few people are happier than you right now. I'm absolutely delighted. I just... There's obviously been so many great players. You've always got the debate between errors as well, which can be a bit mm. silly sometimes. But I just think this is a guy who... Forget the stats, forget the goals, forget the assists. This is a guy who yeah. has provided so much pure entertainment. He's done so many things that just astound you. He's the only player who has consistently done things with a football that have gobsmacked me so much. I have started laughing at what he did yeah. because I had yeah. no other reaction. Yeah. Um, so he didn't need to win the World Cup to be the greatest mm. of all time in my eyes or in many people's eyes, but yeah. I'm really glad he has because he deserves it. And yeah. he's never had a great international side around him, which has prohibited him. Um, mm. On this occasion, I don't think he had a great international side around him either. I think he had a decent mm. international side around him. They're not going anywhere near the final without him, let's put it that way. <sighs> I guess not, yeah. But mm. ultimately, I just think that he deserves it and he deserves the adulation. You're already getting a lot of people saying, oh, well, he scored five out of seven penalties. That's all he did all. That's not what he did all World Cup. He was making mm. goals. He was driving the team forward. He was that, yeah. that one pass in the build up to Argentina's second goal the other day, the, the volleyed flick around the corner without looking onto oh, um, McAllister stuff. to square it for Di Maria. Mm -hmm. Who else can do that? Yeah. I mean, I don't think Harry Kane's doing that. I don't think De Bruyne is doing that. And they're two of the greatest passes of football on the planet. That yeah. was genius, pure, unadulterated genius. And yeah. you know what? He doesn't need to do anything else right now. He doesn't need to train. He can he can play at a jogging pace for the rest of his career. He can yeah. he can do whatever he wants. It's almost like in the game of FIFA where you're sort of 6-0 up and then you just start trying to do things to piss take to see if you can pull them off. <laughs> Which you would That's never do, you Elio. You're well, I, I'm not... I'm not good enough. You'd never be six now. Exactly, but that can be that yeah. can be Messi's rest of career now. He can just take this yeah. if he wants. Like he's done it all. Genius. Someone summed it up perfectly in the sense that he's just made so many of us so happy as football fans that he deserved this. Uh, and, that, mm. and that's why I'm just so happy to see it. But obviously, he wasn't the only player on the yeah. pitch, and we had a couple of players in that match as well. So it's probably made sense to work backwards from the final, I suppose, and talk about the Spurs players that had the most involvement in the tournament. And uh, the two in the final, of course, were Hugo, looking to win it for a second time running, and Christian Romero. Let's talk about both of them. Hugo first, because obviously I'm unlucky not to win it. He won it in the last World Cup. I saw a lot of Twitter activity throughout the World Cup, basically from angry Spurs fans saying, oh, where was this for Spurs? Who's this guy? This French keeper looks good. We should sign him. Playing perfect through balls to the wings and, you know, wait, wait until Brentford and he's going to hoof it out into the stands. What do you think of Hugo Lloris' performance earlier in the World Cup? And uh, do you think that was a fair reflection of, of what he puts out for Spurs? Are people being a bit harsh on him? Of course they are. Um, As always. Our fans, yeah? are, our fans are idiots. Um, <laughs> but... Hi, listeners. But... Not Hi, you guys. Listeners, yeah. Everyone else. Yeah. You hundred odd are great, but hmm. now Hugo is um <laughs> is a good keeper. He has been a very good keeper, world class maybe for a few years as well. For us last yeah. season, he had an outstanding season in my opinion. He's had his moments this season where, and a lot of Spurs fans have run out of a bit of patience, but. Mm. Football's never linear, it's never straightforward and he had a really good World Cup and I'm happy for him and I hope he continues that form into the season with Spurs. What I will say, and you know I always say this, is that the more pressure a goalkeeper or defence ever faces, the more likely they are to make mistakes and yeah. that French uh, they're, they're better than our defense, team they? dominate. Well, I don't know if they're better, but they dominated almost every match they were in bar the final and obviously I think their last group game as well but uh, yeah. I, I genuinely feel like 
Hugo and Hugo and Pochettino sides was less error prone to. I just think that the way football is these days, a team that dominates will expose its defense and goalkeepers less. Ergo, their defense and goalkeepers will make fewer mistakes. If Spurs can start dominating, we'll start thinking lovely thoughts about Hugo again, I'm sure of it. If nothing else, I hope he's at least been inspired by Emmy Martinez's shousery in the penalty shootout. And next time we face a penalty, he can take a leaf out of his book because that man is an absolute terrorist. Um, Dave, uh, this is a unique situation <laughs> for us where I'm confident that you've actually watched the games I'm going to ask you questions about, which isn't always the case. And on the final, because... Christian Romero, he's a player who, okay, he, he's a little bit higher risk, high reward in the way that he plays. And, and I think in the first game, he was at fault for Saudi Arabia's opening goal in that shock result. And he was a little bit flat-footed coming back from an injury, fair play. Um, Elio and I did our team of the tournament and we actually put him in after the final based on his performance throughout the whole tournament. But in the final, I think he was brilliant. And I just want to get your thoughts on Romero and how he held himself out in the World Cup. Hmm. I'm not sure I would put him in the team of the tournament. I mm. think that's a step too far. And I also think, on the flip side, I think you've been a bit harsh on him for the Saudi Arabia goal. I, I, you know, that that was a yeah. that was a great goal. Yeah. But I think it all pales into insignificance, really, when you really consider how mad as a bag of cats he is. Uh, he's, I mean, he's only usurped by one person in the Argentine, which is <laughs> Martinez. Martinez. Um, and imagine if we had both. And, Imagine if we got I mean, Martinez. I don't, I don't know what would happen, to be honest. <laughs> that, 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 the idea of that scares me on mm. club level, playing so regularly. Yeah. But no, I think he had a solid tournament. And uh, I think, obviously, well, he's a World Cup winner. That's only going to do yes. wonders for his confidence. Yeah. So I think, you know, even if he'll be steaming for the next three weeks, he'll come back yeah. a very, very confident <laughs> centre-back. And very hungover, but yeah, it. he might be okay. I, I oh, noticed yeah. oh, more yeah. than ever in this tournament, I don't know if he was being inspired by some of the dark arts around him, but I've never seen a player get away with so much. It's almost like Diego Costa back in the day, you know, just like knowing where the line is, just kicking someone a little bit off the whistle, you know, just, just getting a foot in there just to be a nuisance and just to wind people up. I think, skill. I think the... the well, yeah, I think it's part of the mad as a bag of cats, yeah. you know, comment, to be honest. You know, there's two two layers to it. There is there is the weird stuff that he does, like mm. the fact that he celebrated with him, Emmy Martinez by kicking him. Yeah, um, <laughs> I was and, like uh, when he punched him in the gut. Exactly, yeah. mental. I love but, that. But, but also there's that, there's that ability to inexplicably, I think I'm stealing from Philippe Auclair, who was very angry about Romero after the final mm. whistle, Um basically just staying under the radar just inexplicably not being on the referee's radar despite doing several things every game which absolutely merit a yellow card it's a talent though but never getting a yellow card yeah it's it's absolutely a skill i think i think a lot of players have had it through the years and you know i think some of my favorite players have had it to be honest because i think it is a, a bit of a skill that fans definitely warm up to really quickly yeah. they go oh look look at that he's guy getting away mm. with it again you know he's what doing he's doing it. and you're delighted that he's yeah. doing it i think in fairness he wasn't the only argentina player who had similar treatment i think messi probably could have had a handful of yellow cards himself which uh, i know a lot of people have been quick to point out but elio i know you love christian romero and i'm sure you're going to sing his praises but what are your thoughts on his mindset right now are you a little bit worried with him rejoining the team that he's going to be on a little bit of a hangover maybe thinking oh i've just come from the absolute pinnacle of my career to go and play you know a cold wind night in stoke as they say um no what, no you, i mean do you think he's a professional is he going to get on with it or i think a he's a nervous? professional i don't think you are the linchpin defender of a world cup winning sides mm. without being a highly professional player mad as a bag of cats or not i <laughs> i do expect that we're likely to see him get sent off before the midway point in the season which is six games yep. from now so that, let's not be <laughs> surprised about that but yep. I, I think we've got a thoroughbred defender there and I'm mainly pleased that he seems now to have also shaken off the injury issues that seem to have hampered mm-hmm. his performances so far this season where he's not been quite at last season standards so no, yep. I'm, I'm looking forward to having old crazy cootie back crazy cootie <laughs> when do you expect he will be back is there any news on that? Is it Villa maybe? Conte said he'll be back for Villa, so he'll be back for Villa. There we go. We'll look forward to that. Whenever he fucking wants. <laughs> exactly. And you know what? If he wants to take a few days out, I'll let him. I mean, you know what? The guy's allowed to celebrate. On the flip side, Elio, Hugo, who obviously has faced the disappointment of not winning. Of course, he did win it the previous time, but he must be pretty devastated. Any concerns about his mental state returning to the team? 
Not in the slightest. He had a good tournament. He's already got a World Cup as captain yeah. uh, in the bag anyway. And he's been prepared for World Cup disappointment for the past 10 years by playing for Spurs. He'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. Let's talk about England then, shall we? Because obviously we had a couple of players in the England squad. One I think we need to talk about more than the other, that being Harry Kane, who... As is often the case, unfortunately, in the cruel world of football, his tournament will be defined by a penalty miss, as we've seen time and time again, despite, I think, actually having a very good tournament from start to finish. And Elio, I know we talked about this. He might have only had a couple of goals, but in the same way as we said Messi was so key in everything Argentina did, goals or assists aside, Kane was he was the glue holding England team together, wasn't he? Great tournament from him. England played five games. He got two goals and three assists. Yeah. So that's one output a game that he played. All England's best moves went through him. His ability to bring others into play was fantastic. Mm. Some of his dribbling was surprisingly good. So that's yeah. not something you often see with him. And I do think it's a case of he lost a bit of composure because of pressure in that moment, because it is the most highly pressurized penalty of his career. Yeah. He's a very cool guy generally, but he is still human at the end of the day. Mm. But yeah, no criticism for me. He's going to get a lot of flack. He has his He's whole career anyway. He he was already the most abused player exactly. on social What's media changed? or something crazy like What's that. Changed? So yeah. I think Harry Kane is going to be back home with his lovely little family, yeah. remembering what's important in the world and feeling proud of himself for what he has done more than he beats himself up for what he hasn't yeah. done. And he's going to go out there and every bit of naysaying and criticism he gets is just going to be more fire for him to prove people wrong, which is Absolutely. what Harry Kane's all about. Absolutely. I think for all his incredible attributes and talents, I think one thing that separates Harry Kane for me is that his mentality is absolute elite level and he's always been able to bounce back. If he's missed a chance, unlike other players, you don't think he's mm. going to let it get in his head. And the next time he's thrown goal, you back him as much as anyone to go and put it away. And I think this is an extension of that. And I think you'd imagine, if anything, this will spur him on to get back to the season and come out flying. So Dave, I think you can be pretty neutral on this. Obviously, you're a passionate England fan and you can look at Kane through an England fan's eyes and not a Spurs fan's eyes. First of all, we'll get to the penalty, but in terms of his overall performance, are Eddie and I flattering him a bit or was he as good as we think he was? He was good. He led the team. Mm. He did what he needed to do. He scored goals. He set goals up. He connected the player. I think Southgate has very much put the team together so that it suits the way that Harry Kane plays now, yeah. which is a, a bit more uh, reserved, so to speak. Not the nine at the front saying, give me the ball, but yeah. instead coming to get the ball and, and getting and getting other people into play. Yeah. So I think, I think that's definitely led to him being a much more pivotal figure in the team, even maybe than he was before. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think he performed well. Mm at the World Cup, uh, as well as a couple of others. I think he definitely is in the plus box rather than the negative box. I can't really think of yeah, any, yeah. any England player that would be in the negative box, to be honest. No. Uh, but I do think, just to follow up on what you said in terms of the abuse, now obviously mm. Kane gets a lot of abuse online, but that is different to the potential vitriolic abuse mm. that he may get in stadium. And now I, I think the jury's out as to as to how rabidly racist this country is, to be honest. But if you think about going back to Saka yeah, Sancho, uh, and, the, and, the, and the abuse that yep. him and Sancho and Rashford got, yeah. it'll be interesting to see what the reception of Kane at away ends. I mean, I, I don't think you're going to get it at Brentford, quite no. frankly. I don't think it's that kind they're, of They're crowd. more worried with their own um, centre forward, aren't they, really? Exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. But I think that will be interesting because yeah. that will be something that he has actually never experienced before. Yeah. He's got he gets booze because he's the best player. Oh yeah. But abuse but there will be is a there will thing. be deafening choruses of Kane you let your country down when we go to Arsenal. And and he knows that and he'll expect that. I don't and, think it'll um, just be Arsenal. No, no, it won't I think be. that's the it key. Won't be. It's going to be a lot of grounds. Yeah. And I honestly don't think he's ever experienced that. And, uh, and as mm. much as I kind of agree with you to say, you know, he's a big guy, he's experienced, he knows what he's doing, yeah. he leads the team. He's human. He'll be fine. He's a human being. It's still, there's still a human element yeah. and he still hasn't experienced that before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean, you got to say, you, you mentioned Saka there, pointing at Saka, I think if you look at what he's done since those Euros, he's actually come on to be an even better player and yet he was whatever, 19 or something. So obviously he's going to improve. Yeah, but, yeah, but, but now, now you're... Know, now you're now you're comparing personalities, which is impossible for us. Yeah, to do. there's there's no way of knowing how much of that was directly as a result of, of needing to be defiant and to prove himself. But the impression I've always had from Kane is that one of his best assets is his mentality and his ability to bounce back. So uh, let's hope I'm right. Let's hope, let's hope yeah. we see it. I, I mean, I mean, to be honest, I would say that I I think I agree with mm. that. I especially agree with that, and and I, I didn't get to comment 
but that's fine because you know Elio said it pretty well. Yeah. But I think I, I think I think I think you I think, think you think that that is this the is same cutting edge as journalism. I, 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 think, I do think that I think sometimes you sometimes think I therefore think. you think um, <laughs> indeed yeah Descartes <laughs> rolling in his grave. Um, Loris yeah. is probably the coolest customer that you can come by. Mm. So I have absolutely no doubt. Way more comfortable in thinking yeah. in saying that Loris won't be phased by this at all, yeah. compared to potentially what Kane might be phased by. There was a lot of talk, wasn't there, about Kane facing his club goalie, who he's obviously taking penalties against in training and the rest of it. Do also, you, that's bullshit. Do you think if you were a striker, if you were a penalty taker in a massive game like that, would you rather face your own keeper? Would you rather face somebody that knows nothing about you that you know nothing about? Uh, I'd rather face my own keeper. I think. <laughs> Does it really I think matter? Any keeper Harry Kane ever faces has already studied all his yeah. penalties in great depth. Yeah. yeah. You, Hugo doesn't have any two, inside two information, massive, does he? Two massive, big, thick wedges of ridiculous that go with <laughs> the, all the people that have been saying, oh, somebody else should have taken the second penalty. No. One, you're yeah. absolutely doing a disservice to every other goalkeeper that has ever faced a penalty from Harry yeah. Kane, who have all watched at least 50 penalties that Harry Kane yeah. has taken because that's the game. It's literally their job. Yeah. And the second one is, you're doing a massive disservice to Harry Kane yeah. and you're also working in a massive, massive retrospect. Mm. There is no way that Harry Kane wouldn't have taken that penalty. There is no way that Lionel Messi wouldn't take the oh, second yeah, penalty if they'd have got a second penalty in the yeah, World Cup final. Exactly. And Mbappe did take the second penalty. Yeah. And Mbappe, yes, Mbappe is a little better. Yes, Messi is a lot better. But Kane yeah. is up there. He's a world-class forward. Yeah. He will always take the penalty for England. And anybody who says that he doesn't, yeah. Is just they're just being a troll. Can you imagine fishing if someone for... else had taken the penalty and then missed it? If someone else had taken it's it, absolute bollocks. If someone had taken it and missed it, the rhetoric would have been, "Oh my god, what an idiot!" Southgate making someone else take it or whoever was was at fault. It would have just been even well, worse. It'd have been, it'd have been way so worse. much worse been if way someone worse. else had taken it and missed. So yeah, no, that's because it would have been ridiculous. the person that missed. It would have been Southgate, and it would have been it would have been, been, been for Kane. yeah for bottling it and not not stepping up to take the other one. No, exactly. No, I totally agree with you there, Dave. But uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, Kane bounces back from that, and um, he's had a little bit more time to reflect and recover, I suppose, than the guys who got all the way to the final. This this is where we're getting into uh, the players who played a little bit less. Well, actually, no, that, that's that's not true because Richarlison and Perisic. Perisic made it all the way to the semi-final and, and was third place in a second consecutive excellent World Cup for Croatia. And Elio, we, we managed to shoehorn Perisic into our team <laughs> of the tournament as a left-back on the basis of he did play <laughs> as a left-back in that third, fourth playoff, uh, even though he was actually playing very much as an attacking left-winger. And he was very good, wasn't he? He got himself on the score sheet. He set up a couple of goals. And he even, as we kind of joked about before the tournament he brought a little bit of VO magic to the table and I was involved in some set pieces as well three um, assists and a goal for him unbelievable. is a great return um, no, he played really really well I, I actually think he played better for them than he has for Spurs so far and mm. I really enjoyed watching him um, some of his skill and just his awareness and his fights yeah. is incredible and he's another one that I backed over a really good second half of the season really yeah. excited to see what he's going to bring I guess dissimilarly to France or England Croatia when they eventually were knocked out got knocked out in almost a way that's kind of left them feeling good about themselves and I guess when you have a third place playoff straight mm. afterwards as well he's gone out on a win too yeah he'll be buoyed um, by this one here. it helps absolutely and yeah. Perisic first three years old he's our most senior outfield player and he he's a real leader and i think that we've lots to look forward to with him I, I think he had a really good tournament i don't think he had one bad game absolutely um i know it's nothing new seeing perisic play in a front three and as an attacking player but uh, at the back of that tournament are you any more inclined to want to see him in that front line obviously it'll depend on availability and, and player fitness yeah. and form and stuff but would you be against seeing him on that left side of an attack I guess it comes down to whether you prefer the idea of Perisic left wing back, Son left wing, yeah. or Sessegnon left wing back and Perisic left wing. Mm. I think Perisic and Son in any world is our best combination. However, we know Son's not having a great season. So yeah. that throws that spanner in the works. But you know my opinions on Sessegnon as well. I find him a limited player. Yeah. Um, I think... Break glass in case of emergency. Perisic on the left of the front three is a really nice proposition, but he's been brought to Spurs to do a certain role. So mm. let's keep him in that role unless we absolutely have to do something else like when all our forwards were injured a few weeks ago. 
Exactly. Well, the next man I want to talk about is somebody he might be competing with for that exact spot in our lineup. And that is a man who you could argue scored two of the goals of the tournament, not just one. Playing for Brazil was <laughs> Richarlison. And what a tournament he had. Unbelievable, some of the some of those goals. There was two very different goals. One, the overhead kick, of course. And then the other one was just a lovely little quick interplay move. One, twos. Beautiful through ball from, I think, Thiago Silva. Dave, how impressed were you by Richarlison at the World Cup? Uh, he put away his chances, didn't mm. he? And that's and that's what that, that's what he was absolutely there to do. It's what we talked about at the start of the World Cup when we did the preview. Yeah, um, he was in that team for a specific reason, a specific role. Yeah, like I said, you know, so many good players. You know, it would have been understandable if he didn't play, but yeah. he does play because he, he is it. that person in that role, and he absolutely yeah. vindicated it. Yeah. So yeah, I think uh, I think his stock has risen since the World Cup. He's definitely done the job that he was asked to do, similar to the way that Giroud did the mm. job up until the World Cup final, uh, did the job that he, he was asked to do as well. So I think, yeah, I think he can come back very, uh, very positive and um, in his performance, not necessarily the performance of the team, but yeah, um, yeah I don't think, I don't think he's going to be worse off for it. So were either of his goals the goal of the tournament for you? His first one, the bicycle kick has been that awarded one. goal of the yeah. tournament. Yeah. Do you See, agree? I, would, I would argue that that is the lesser of the two yeah. goals, but yeah. that's, that's, that's taste and preference, isn't it? I agree. I prefer, um, I prefer the other one. I mean, the goal of the tournament, in my opinion, is Argentina second, second in the, in the final, final. Mm. because yeah. it was in the final and it was incredible. Beautiful move. It Beautiful. Was. It was Bielsa-esque, <laughs> if I may. I would have said Conte-esque, but okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> we're, we're, both, we're both very lucky to have known such great football, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. I think probably one of the running close was the free kick from the Mexican chap. What was his name? Uh, but it was about 40 yards out, lashed into the top corner. That was pretty special. Well, to be honest, Rashford's free kick was pretty it was good. Nice. Yeah, there, was, there were some that, really that nice goals. That didn't stop going up. There were some nice goals. But I think there was something quite magical about Richarlison's too. I think obviously the way he flipped it up in the bicycle, you always love to see an overhead kick. And and the way, how quick the passing was in that move and the little bit of showboating mm. he did in the run-up to it. and mm. Which is fine, of course, because you know it's it's Brazil. So if he showboats for Brazil, that's expected. If he showboats for Spurs, then he, he gets everyone's back up. Although, that being said, Roy Keane was not <laughs> happy with the dancing we'll see he wasn't happy with the celebrations um Elio, would, you, would you like to see some pigeon dance celebrations uh, with Conte getting involved incorporated into our uh, second half of the season I can't imagine Conte would get involved <laughs> I would, I I would love see- it so much if he did can you just imagine that? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just hope Conte smiles from time to time, quite frankly. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but lots of pigeon dancing from Richarlison means lots of goals. So I'll take it. Yeah. And off the back of that, obviously, we haven't talked about Son yet, but he, uh, needed to say, didn't have quite as great a tournament as Richarlison, um, even though he did make it out of the group. And we'll get to him. But going forwards, has this made you any more convinced of Richarlison as a starter, any less convinced of Son on that left side? Or would you perhaps want to see some kind of change up? And we'll get to talking about formation and obviously the lineups for our upcoming games in a bit in more detail but what are your thoughts on Richarlison now off the back of that World Cup has it changed the way you see him as a Spurs fan? Um, Not overly I mean only that I'd say anybody questioning the amount we paid for him before Mm. if we were signing him this January off the back of this tournament no one would be questioning that fee so I think he's he's shown what a good player he is and remember for us he's always played left or right he's not played in the middle He, he played in the middle and you saw the result, lots of goals. Um, In terms of him versus Son, same with him versus Kulisevsky, even him versus Kane. Got four very good players there for three positions. Mm. Hopefully we can add another as well in the January window. But we've got four players there for three positions. The point is to not have a first choice per se, but be able to rotate, okay, Kane is a first choice, but yeah. Son, Richarlison, whoever's most on form, play him. Um, that's mm. the way it's meant to be. I'm, I'm not going in thinking one's ahead of the other. I'm going in thinking, God, I'm happy we have both of them. Yeah. And that's pretty much covered all of the most notable players that we had at the tournament. Obviously, we did have a few more and we'll, we'll touch on all of them. I think that leaves, or we, we didn't really talk about Dyer because he only had about 10 minutes on the pitch. Hoiberg, Denmark went out on the group stage, as did Bentenker, unfortunately, for Uruguay, uh, narrowly beaten out by Son, who got through the group in dramatic fashion. And um, it was nice to see Son's reaction, wasn't it? See how emotional he was getting through that group. Always good to see a player who's had a bit of a rough time of late getting so happy what do you guys think of Son's performance because to me I got the impression he kind of picked up where he left off for Spurs a little bit he didn't really seem like that spearhead talisman that you'd expect him to be for for Korea I mean they had better players 
I mean, he was playing for one of the weaker sides at the tournaments mm. as well, so that uh, doesn't help. Um, Round of 16, yeah, he, you can't really turn your nose up at that too much for a team like that, can you? And they, they went out to Brazil, who I think no one expected coming back them. From, coming back from an injury, not having the best season himself, did have a beautiful assist to get his country out of the group in the first mm-hmm. place, so if you want yeah. to manic. Yeah. He picked the ball up, ran the pitch, and played a through ball for about six players that nobody point, else actually. could see. That was so a lovely ball. That was a lovely playing ball. Playing well or not, that is talismanic. That is yep. captain behaviour. Um, for Korea to get to the knockout part of a World Cup, I know they got to semi once upon a time, but to get to the knockout part of a World Cup is a huge achievement, um, just as big as winning the Asia Games or anything of the sort. So I think Son, he didn't show vintage Son, but he's mm. going to come home feeling fine about his efforts at the end of the day. I don't think there's a single Spurs player that you can say let themselves down. No, having said that, I think less said about Wales in general, the the, the better, <laughs> because they, they had a horrible time of things, didn't they? And I'm not going to put that on either of our boys they there. They were the worst side um, of the tournament. I think they probably were. And I think when, when Gareth Bale is so important to you and he just doesn't show up, and we all love Gareth Bale, but I, I think... This wasn't Gareth Bale. This was an imposter in a Gareth Bale costume for the most part, wasn't <laughs> mm. it? And um, when he doesn't show up and with, with how inspirational he is to them and how important he is, obviously, they were always going to be in trouble. But yeah, I think with the likes of Davies Rodon, to a lesser extent, Benton Kerr, Hoiberg, probably a tournament mm. to forget on the whole for those guys. If there's one thing a knockout tournament can always guarantee, it is a way of reminding everyone how little they know about international football and how wrong you can get things in your predictions. So I thought it'd be fun to have a little look back at some of our pre-tournament predictions. That being said, Pretty sure in further it. proof of why you guys are the experts, you guys are the pundits, and I do the hosting, you both predicted an Argentina tournament win. <laughs> so congratulations to both of you. And I think, Elio, you called a messy golden boot, which was almost so close to, to coming out, were it not, for an Mbappe hat-trick in the final, which, by the way, the, mm. the ball's on that kid. You know, I know he's not exactly a breakout star. We all knew it was Mbappe, but score a hat-trick, two penalties in the biggest stage of all. You know, Seeing that Harry Kane couldn't couldn't do it in the quarters, you've got to give him some respect. Um, in terms of overall predictions, though, Dave, you didn't see France getting past the quarters, which uh, I'd like to ask you about now. Were you slightly surprised by uh, Deschamps' France? Yeah, very surprised. I mean, well, I didn't think they would get past the This court. is cruel, isn't it? Um, um, but at the same time, they 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 did kind I of do. I think what we, we were all in. We were all in a clear agreement yeah. that the winner of the England France quarterfinal was probably going to be a finalist, yeah. and it came to pass. Mm. Um, ultimately, France's midfield held up more than I thought it would. Yeah. That's that's basically the bottom line. Yeah. I expected them to really struggle because of the absences they had, in, mm. specifically in Canton. But Chouameni was actually one of um, their most important players. And Griezmann Chouameni was, dropped was back excellent. and got involved. Griezmann, who, I mean, who knew that that was a thing? Who Gries, knew that Griezmann in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a reduced number 10 yeah. role was actually the player that we've always wanted for <laughs> for any of our teams? Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I'll hold my hands up and say that I, they, they did a lot better than I thought they would. Mm. I knew that they were good players and I knew that they had good team i had my doubts over deschamps and i had my doubts over the midfield because of the injuries but credit where credit's due he made some changes he made changes when he needed to make changes and the midfielders that he had stepped up so fair play play. um in terms of your prediction for the golden boot dave if i remember correctly you you did predict quite a few goals for harry kane but i think you you hedged your bets quite comfortably by saying it would be one of the psg boys which really doesn't narrow it down but i guess you were right you know, I think that's probably cheating, but we can give you we can give you that. That's, where that's, where that's you didn't fair. do quite was, so well. That was three of three of what? How many hundred players? <laughs> wow. Okay, if you want to put it that way, yeah. Well, look, where you didn't do quite as well was in your predictions of how many goals the Spurs contingent would score at the World Cup. If you remember, we all went through player by player predicting how many goals they would score. Uh, you were over by nine, Dave. So you definitely overestimated the Spurs contingent of the World Cup. Um, I'm obviously not. I'm obviously not a negative. You, you clearly Spurs really fan. rate all of our players. Yeah, you really rate them, especially. Harry Kane, who you, you called he was going to score six. So um, sad to say that didn't come to pass. Um, Elio and I were joined on uh, a slightly less extravagant overestimation of plus six. So we also got a bit carried away and probably fancy our players a bit too much, but we went a million miles away. I just want to talk about a few players of the tournament. I know it's always a little bit silly talking about transfers, but we are in, in a window and there are rumours flying around. And of course, you know, we, you expect that we will make some some signings at some point. We mentioned before the tournament, Elio, that there were a couple of players that we had been linked to in the past who were going to be on show. One of them being Gvardiol, who I think we said was probably out of touch for us before the tournament. And now he's very much in the spotlight and on the radar of every top team in Europe, one suspects. So probably uh, say goodbye to that one. Another one that's interesting who we were linked to in the past, and I think 
think our fans started a hashtag in protest at what a horrible idea it was to sign him was Sofian Amrabat, who, again, was a player we put in our team of the tournament. And I think a lot of people would agree. To your knowledge, is there anything in that? And do you think, given the players we've signed since, namely Benson Kerr and uh, Basuma, is there a place for someone like Amrabat in our team? Or do you think we would look somewhere else in the lineup? I think we've got four good to very good players in Bentancur, Hoybier, Bissouma, and Skip. Yeah. We also have Saar in the making, yeah. who, who we didn't even mention, like, by the way, who did actually play didn't. a couple of games and had a nice had a nice free kick effort, narrowly wide, if I remember, but didn't really do a huge amount otherwise. Absolutely. But it, it, it just feels like I'd rather give someone like him minutes than mm. block his path. I think we've got enough there. We've got bigger priorities in the first team. Yeah. Different type of player, but a central midfielder nonetheless, and someone who impressed a lot of us, I think. If you were to write your Spurs Christmas list to Santorelio, would you have a place on there for Alexis McAllister following the seven games we saw <laughs> at the World Cup? I like Alexis McAllister a lot, yeah. I think. Any chance? I think that's... Because we are rumoured. I, I mean, there's always a chance, but I think it's dangerous signing players off the back of good tournaments. The thing is, he's also played well for Brighton for mm. a good whack of time as well. No, I think he's a talented player who can do a bit of everything. Uh, very creative. He was playing further forward for Argentina than he ever does for Brighton. Yep. Uh, yep. Apparently, he's going to go back to Brighton now and tell Deserby that he wants to play as a 10, not an 8. So let's see how that goes down. Yep. But uh, I, I'd like it if we signed him. But once again, yeah. is he quite what we need? Who knows? The other thing is his price tag will have doubled now because that's always the way, isn't it, with these tournaments? It's the annoying thing. But we are allegedly linked to him, but who knows? We'll have to we'll have to see. Dave, if you were a scout, would it be that for Leeds or for Spurs just in general? Were there were there any players that really stood out for you at the World Cup that you either hadn't really heard of or didn't really rate or anyone that you think could be looking for a big move in the next few weeks? Tell you what, there's a young American midfielder. <laughs> I think it was their captain as well. He was quite handy. <laughs> Here we go again. Come on, Dave. Who would you be recommending? Who are you going to give your five-star scout report to? So I assumed you'd ask me this. Okay. Uh, and, and I've been looking at this with a Leeds eye. And, and and we've obviously got we've got two things that we need, basically, mm. which, is a, which is a striker and a left-back. And uh, striker, on the striker front, it's slim pickings, isn't it? I mean, unless they, they play for City or PSG, <laughs> there are no strikers in, in Europe, apparently. Um, so, yeah. so that's that. So... I guess we're going to have to settle with what we've got. But left back, and this is the most frustrating one by a yeah. mile, um, Tagliafico. Oh, yeah? The Argentine left back. Mm. Why has no good team picked him up? I think he was available for a song, to be honest. He went to France. Summer, He's at he? Ajax, isn't he? He did, but not for a lot of money. Oh. Not for a lot of money. He was at Ajax, uh, and, he, and he moved. Okay, okay. Um, yeah. And I, I can't help but see that as a massive opportunity missed, to be honest, mm. because... I, I know you put Perisic in your team with the tournament left back, but if I would have made my team with the tournament, it would have had Taliafico at left back um, because that, he did zero wrong and he was very, very efficient in his defending mm. and in going forward as well. So, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm a little bit upset that we missed that boat because there was a lot of chat about it yeah. and it never happened and it never materialised and we needed a left back and we still need a left back and we're not going to buy a left back because mm. apparently that's not a thing that we do. I'll tell you what, Dave, I, I think you could do a lot worse than the Morocco left back. Uh, was it Atia Alla or something along those lines? He was very impressive. I thought, I mean, the whole, the whole defence was, let's be honest. Morocco were brilliant. Um, on the other side... We're not going to buy no, a left back. Oh, well, let's let's switch it over to the right back <laughs> slash right wing back side, because obviously that's just that always comes back around when we're talking about Spurs and transfer rumors. Um, Elio, is there anyone besides the obvious, such as Hakimi, who I know we've been linked to, and obviously Conte has had a lot of success with, um, anyone that jumps out at you, whether they're at the World Cup or just in general as a player we might be looking to sign on that side of the pitch um Dumfries from Holland who went and did very well right after I said I'm not sure yeah, what, I'm not sure what he about. does yeah, yeah. Um, so he, he he's probably the obvious one especially as someone playing in Italy where we've got a lot of good connections through Paratici um, yeah, yeah. there's obviously always going to be links to players like that who was the other player you just mentioned um, Pedro Porro is the name I keep seeing a lot of we played him in the Champions League of course which seems Notice to be a theme of ours how we have never ever ever been linked to Porro until we played them and yep. All of a sudden, all these little Portuguese sort of rags like Ojogo and whatever are linking us yeah. to him. It's just lazy journalism. Um, yeah. I, I don't see anything in that, certainly not for the kind of money they're talking about. Fair enough. Anyone else for the World Cup that you like the look of if you were sent there on a scouting mission? 
<laughs> I mean, there's the young French boy who plays out in Germany, doesn't oh, he? Frankfurt. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't remember his name. Well, the, I, literally, nobody had heard of until the semi final. Well, yeah, within 12 seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the one. See, he, he was obviously quite exciting and quite yeah. impressive in the brief glimpses <laughs> we've got. But, you know. We, yeah. We've signed enough players off of the back of good tournaments who've been mm. rubbish for me to not actually get excited about anyone. The mad thing with that Colomani is I can't help thinking about that ridiculous last second save by Martinez in the final when he was through, which would have been the winning goal. Mm. And it, it mm. just it just puts into perspective how football is so sliding doors and moments can just define an entire career. Because he might go on to be a great player. He might go on to be a household name in football. I don't know. I think he's quite young, right? But had he scored that goal, he would have been immortalised, whereas that left leg of Martinez has just kind of it's, it's just rendered him irrelevant and just consigned him to football f- footnotes basically or we may well have done I don't know I could look very silly in a few well, years I, time I think I think you, you can flip side that as well can you and you can look at the other side of that coin which is essentially Martinez is a hero what a save oh. at that time in the final of the yeah, World Cup yeah. that is almost as good a save as badder 50 pence head header Oh, from yeah, La- um, Lautaro Higuainas, as, as, as I like to call him. <laughs> it's, it's straight yeah. afterwards. That was insane. Poor, was, oh, I was on my feet. I was like, oh my God, he's He's another player we're perpetually linked oh, no, to. He's, he might, he's headed it out for we us. Might, if we might get him on the cheek. Uh, we might actually be able to afford Lautaro Martinez after that tournament because we were always linked to him. Maybe now is the time to get him. No. Yeah, one person we didn't mention, by the way, I, I think the two, the two people that are going to be in just ridiculously high demand after this World Cup, in my opinion, are... Guardiola, yeah, you already mentioned, course, yeah. and I, I think he, I think he might have played himself out of any Premier League team. Quite frankly, oh, really? I think he's, I think he's a Real Madrid player. To be honest, mm. uh, I think that's the only way it's, it's going to go. Maybe PSG, yeah. um, if they decide to invest in defenders. <laughs> uh, and the other one is um, Abel Hernandez. He's, uh, he's Abel? going to a big team. Theo, Abel, Abel. Who's? Oh, sorry, Enzo. Oh, Enzo Fernandez. <laughs> Enzo Fernandez. Yeah, yeah. Too many we, we, we named, we too named many about four different players there in some kind of weird Frankenstein Sorry, concoction. Enzo Fernandez. Yeah, oh, Enzo Fernandez. Yeah, he's yeah, he's definitely. Yeah. I mean, is, there's no such thing really as breakout stars anymore, is there? Because clubs are so well tuned in to anyone playing in any of the big leagues in Europe. But sometimes, yeah, it's not exactly a household name. I didn't know much about him before, but I have to say he looks incredible, doesn't he? Good luck anyone trying yeah. to pay anything less than a fortune for these Portuguese yeah. clubs. Always, always get top dollar for these guys. I mean... Well, well we just we've just talked about two hundred million pound players, basically. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Simple as that. Pretty much. Well, I'm sure there will be plenty more time to speculate over things that will never happen, such as transfer rumours, and I'm sure we'll be linked to Oh, oh and of course, we forgot. We totally yeah. forgot. Harry Suter. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Some some somebody's gonna pick him up. He's going to be great for for a yeah. lower lower end Premier League team. Uh, actually, to be honest, the, clo- the closest totally thing think. to a legit legitimate breakout star that I think was on nobody's radar was um, Unahi at Morocco. Another brilliant midfielder. He looked very talented, but mm, that is an example of someone where you just think, could that just be a good tournament? You just don't know, do you? That's the thing. And it's, it's never a smart move to go off the basis of a tournament alone. But who knows? But yeah, as I say, we'll, we'll have plenty of time to talk about that because uh, we've got a little bit more time, obviously, with the window approaching and we'll see what happens. Elio, just in a nutshell, do you expect we will make many signings or do you think Conte is quite happy with what we've got to work with at the moment I think if we don't make signings Conte will um, be off to pastures new next summer really okay wow added a little bit of pressure there well we'll see let's, let's not speculate too much because I, I know I know if there's one of many things that you hate in the football world Elio it is uh, unfounded transfer speculation on the basis <laughs> of um, nonsense on Twitter and people with no legitimate information to justify their rumours but we'll, we'll get onto that when things are looking a little bit more concrete shall we well that, that takes us nicely into the rest of the season and, and obviously what we have available to us currently. Um, Elio, if you would be so kind, I'd love it if you could give us a bit of a roundup of the state of the Spurs squad at the moment, a bit of an autopsy after the World Cup. Dave predicted that we'd come back with a load of injuries and one way or another, it looks like we are going to be missing a handful of key figures. What are our ranks looking like at the moment? Um, Not too bad. Unfortunately, Richarlison's probably out for at least a month from Mm. this point. So that's a shame. Good news is January starts in a few days. Bad news is we usually leave it till the end of January if we make any January signings. But hopefully the club decide to be proactive 
on this one, mm-hmm. given that our manager doesn't much fancy either Lucas or Brian Hill. So that's a bit of a bummer. Benton Coeur is out of the Brentford's game. He would have been anyway because he picked up a fifth booking right before the break anyway oh, uh, yeah. in, in the game against there's Leeds. Leeds yeah. uh, there's a little part of me that wonders if, because um, he kind of inexplicably went and caused some fuss for no reason. So it was a part of me that was wondering if he just wanted to day off after Christmas, to yeah. tell you the truth. Maybe, but, maybe uh, he thought he was going all the way to the final, the World Cup and thought he'd need more time to recover. Well, either way, he's out, but he should be back for the Villa game. Thankfully, um, Sessegnon managed to get injured without playing any football because that's what Sessegnon does. And obviously, Lloris is going to sit this one out and as is Romero. Perisic, however, who played the same amount as Lloris and Romero and only had his final game one day before them. Is back. Yeah, but he's a terminator. He's expected to play on. He's, he he's half machine, so I expect nothing less Absolutely. from Perisic. So, um, yeah, it's uh, otherwise fairly healthy, complementive players uh, as much as anybody else. And you should hope that we've got enough to, to not have any horror stories. I was going to read a tweet here from one of my absolute favourite Twitter Spurs personalities. I know it won't happen, but I'd love to see Tanganga start as I think he's got the proactivity to win the ball while the opposition is on the back foot. Perhaps harsh on Sanchez after a decent pre-World Cup form. Long lay over Davies mainly for distribution. The rest picks itself. Followed by this... Lineup, which is Forster, obviously Loris not available for this game. Longley Dyer, Tanganga as a back three, Perisic and Doherty as wing backs, Hoiberg Basuma in midfield, and a front three of Son, Kane, and Kudasevsky. Um, that's you, Elio, if you hadn't worked that out. I was about <laughs> to say, whoever posted that tweet is not only insightful, but sounds up. incredibly handsome as well. I, I, but, was, uh, I was just about to add that. They do indeed. And they have a lovely um, profile picture in a delightful studio. So yeah, that's, that's the team you'd like to see. Is that the team you expect to see? No, uh, not entirely. I mean, Longley or Davis, it's a coin toss. I think it'll be either Sanchez over Tanganga or Longley and Davies in the team with Longley in the middle and Dyeth shifted to the right. But either yeah. way, I think Tanganga is, especially with the rumours of him probably being loaned out, I think he's going to be nowhere near that lineup, probably not even yeah. on the bench. Doherty has had a great couple of friendlies just now. So yes. I, I think he's going to go in at right wing back. Perisic obviously left wing back and the front three just picks itself. Unless he goes 3-5-2, but without Benton Court, I don't feel like that's likely yeah. um, as Skip didn't really get much time mm. um, at all. And Bissouma uh, and and Hoybier seems like a pretty solid in the field. Yeah, you touched on it there, Doherty getting some good minutes in. Um, can you also do a little bit of a roundup of, I want to say pre-season, but it's not, but you know what I mean. The, the games, the friendlies we've had in the run-up to resuming the Premier League season, because I know you've watched a couple of our games recently. Um, how have those gone and who stood out for you? Um, went as well as you can. The main point of these is just to build up fitness. Obviously, yeah. uh, we got a good win against Motherwell, as you'd expect. Kulisevsky had a very good game. It was Motherwell, but we know Kulisevsky's yep. good. It doesn't matter about the opposition. Uh, Brian Hill continues to make me wonder why he doesn't get more of a look in um, mm. with the big boys, because he looked good as well, and some of the football at times was pleasing. We then had the game against Nice. I think overall we played some decent stuff in there. We looked shaky at the back, but at the mm. same time, our back climb was very, very makeshift, so no huge qualms there. Even Emerson looks kind of all right at uh, right wing back. Doherty is a left wing back, cutting on on his right foot to score a very nice goal. Mm. Kulisevsky continues to be involved in everything good we do. Young player who played as a false nine for us, Harvey White. He's one that's been sort of in and around the youths for good few seasons now. Midfielder, central midfielder, decent left foot on him, good free kick taker, but definitely not someone that's ever been talked about as an attacking player, really. Mm. Uh, but he, he played as a false nine, and I actually thought looked quite good in, in the role uh, in both matches. So interesting to see if he gets any time. But yeah. I think he'll probably at least be on the bench just to make up numbers because of the absentees we're going to have. Brilliant. Well, thanks, thanks for that summary, Elio. Um, what I really want to know is, uh, should I be putting Kulusevsky into my FPL team when the season resumes? Has he impressed you that much? Kulusevsky is 
well, I always think Kulazewski is worth putting in a team like that because the guy racks up the numbers, doesn't he? But yeah, yeah I think he's going to have a absolutely storming rest of season. I really well, do. I once heard someone say, I don't know if you'll recall this, Dave, that he will be talked of in the same breath as Erling Haaland as one of the great Scandinavian forwards of his generation in, in years to come. So uh, let's see. Let's see what happens. Um, Dave, I, I know you're our chief opposition scout, as always. I'll, I'll forgive you if you haven't done any extensive research into Brentford, but at the very least, I think we looked up and found that on paper, Ivan Tony could start. Is that correct? There's nothing stopping him. Seems that way. Nothing stopping him from being in the team. He's not suspended. He's not. He's not injured. He is available. Yeah. So um, I think it's probably a moral question or a whether his head's in the right place question that only only the the elf man Thomas Frank can really answer. Yeah. Uh, So so yeah. I mean, the only other scouting that I can talk about is the scouting that happened six weeks ago when they beat Man City. So on that basis, you he's go. screwed, guys. Oh, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and to add to that, they have not had anywhere near the same representation of the World Cup that we have. Um, who do you think is an advantage there? Because um, we talked about it before the World Cup, didn't we? But given that, obviously, only a handful of our players went that far into the tournament, would you rather be the team with players all coming back from the World Cup, some of them a bit buoyed from the experience and from having done quite well, but obviously a bit more tired? Or do you think the ones who have had a little more time off to focus on training and recover and rest are going to be in a better position? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no this idea. This is why you're here, I mean, that is, that is That is six and two threes as far as I'm concerned, because I think that... I think based. I mean, I'm only basing this really on, on yeah. what I've known from what I've seen from from Leeds and how and how they uh, and how the kind of re-season, as it's been called, yeah, uh, has, has happened. And there's been a few. There's been a few games. The first one was very much a, felt felt like a pre-season game, whereas the second two were a lot more competitive. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Um, I I don't think there's going to be much difference between the the levels of you know the 23 or however many there are mm. uh, at Leeds that weren't at the World Cup and Adams, Aronson, and Christensen who were at the World Cup. So I, I, I honestly don't think there's much of a difference to be honest. I think it's much of a muchness and maybe a maybe a, a, a nice excuse for somebody who maybe has an ulterior reason for <laughs> not being at the races yeah fair enough I think to be fair to you the truth is no one knows because we've never really been in this position have we so it's going to be interesting to see not just how the season picks up again but I think how it ends because we're going to get quite deep into the summer and and, you know is the pace of the game going to slow down are we going to be seeing a kind of almost World Cup-esque international kind of football well yeah that's it that's it yeah a lot of the issues with the Summer World Cup Mm. is that it feels pedestrian because everybody's shattered so maybe that's going to be the last month of the season yeah yeah who knows which will be devastating because you know the last month of the season is usually brilliant yeah exactly Elio how are you feeling about Brentford game Um, I'm delighted to have Spurs back so good Uh, (laughs) quite frankly I'm glad that it's being captured by Amazon and I'll be able to watch it Uh, Yeah. yeah absolutely thrilled to have the Premier League back yeah and nothing less than a win will do, presumably. If we're serious about doing anything, absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, look, we, we're not going to talk about the Villa game just yet. That's our, our next game, of course. I think we're probably going to have time to squeeze another podcast in before that. But before we move on to another long overdue episode of Challenge Elio, was there anything else that either of you thought would be worth adding? No. Nope. I missed you too. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's good to be back, guys. It is good to be back. Well, as I just mentioned, you have a special treat now as I will hand the reins over to Elio, who I have it on authority, has prepared a great quiz to welcome us back to Spurs this week. Um, if you happen to be new here, uh, welcome, of course. And to let you know what to expect, you're about to hear Challenge Elio, which is a round that we do at the end of every podcast, more or less, where Elio asks Dave and me a series of questions relating to Spurs. And Dave usually shows me up by knowing more about the team that I support than I do. So Elio, over to you. Can you tell us anything about the theme? Is it is it World Cup related at all this week or any? Um, a little bit of looking back, a little bit of looking forward. And Who Am I? But Who Am I has a twist this week, which <laughs> we I like wonder twists. if you'll in, enjoy. And uh, I'll, I'll get to that. As ever, these are going to be well-researched and well-prepared questions with answers that you will find infallible, unlike last season's Challenge Elios. And um, <laughs> I, I very much look forward to seeing it. I actually think, reading the questions back i wouldn't expect dave to beat you this week i think generally i try making it it balanced you're 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 setting me up to fail i know what you're (laughs) doing i know exactly what you're doing 
<laughs> I, 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 think, I think you've got a good chance this week, yeah. Doug. I think you do. This is, this is just like Dave every week when he says, you shouldn't have any problem beating this bunch. You'll win next week. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's start off then. So first few questions are about Spurs and Brentford, our hmm. upcoming opponents. So this is one for you to both answer. Just fire a number out. Ericsson played for both clubs. But how many goals has he scored combined in all competitions for Spurs and Brentford? Oh, Jesus. I have. He was with no Brentford idea. for six months and Spurs seven years. I'm going to go for. If I say a number, is Dave just going to one up me or one down me? That's exactly what I'm going to do. Or are we going to write our numbers down or should we just shout them out? Write your numbers down. Okay. Oh, man. I was totally going to one up him. <laughs> I, I have no idea if I'm even close, but. This feels about right. If, my, if anything, it's I feel like I've, I've just like I did yeah. for the Spurs players of the World Cup. I might have overestimated this. I'm going for that. I've got a number down. Uh, can you see that at all? No. It's oh, it's way higher. I've gone for Pull 60. Pull that away, Dave. I went for 60 goals. Dave has gone for 23. Dave, 23 that feels combined low. for Spurs and Brentford. That feels very low, Dave. That is very 60. low. 60. That is very low. Erickson for Spurs got, and Brentford combined, Erickson this scored all competitions as well, not just in the league. I think Erickson I'm low. scored se- 70 goals. Ooh. Ooh, okay, I didn't disgrace myself with that guess. 70 wow. goals. Yeah. 69 for us, one for Brentford. What was his most in a season, um, Elio? Not to flip Challenge Elio around, but do you know roughly what the most he got in this season was for Spurs? It was probably in the season we were 16, chasing 17. Leicester for the title. Um, um, yeah. no, I think 15, 15 16, 16, 16, 16, 17 was all about Delhi, wasn't it? Mm. Um, I can't, I don't have an answer. It must have been pushing 20. No, actually, that's a bit, that's a bit high. Anyway, anyway, I'm mm. I'm distracting. Let's keep, let's keep going. You are distracting. This is this is my time, Dave. I'm trying think, to enjoy my, the brief period is, where I'm in the lead. I feel like my mind has been warped by the fact that he plays for Man United now. <laughs> I just <laughs> assume he's shit. Did you just he not fit actually- thirty goals off him for the, for going to Man United? Yeah, that's, is that what you the, did? It's the scum tax. The scum tax. He, <laughs> he did actually get ten goals in the league for us twice. Um, okay, so so yeah, he he had a very good career for us. Six and a half seasons with us, and half season with Brentford. He averaged ten goals a season between the two clubs in all competitions. That and that's before you count all his assists. So uh, Dagus, that's one nil to you. Okay. Um, moving on, moving on. So, what was the score in the Brentford Spurs fixture last April? Hmm. We're doing the same thing again. You don't have to write it down if you don't want to. I mean, I doubt either of you remembers whether it was a win draw or loss. So. I, I have no idea, but I've I've just got this feeling that it wasn't a good game for us. Um, I've written down a two-one win for Brentford. What do you think it was, Dave? I think it was nil-nil. Correct. It was Ooh. nil-nil. I do not remember that at all, and that's probably why. It was the Ericsson comeback, wasn't it? It was the Ericsson, Ericsson comeback. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Playing against Tottenham for the first time. Yeah. Mm. Go on, Dave. This one a oh. bit trickier. Mm-hmm. Spurs and Brentford have only ever played each other the twice in the top flight. Before that, Brentford were always in lower leagues and there was only a handful of games to choose from. I think not even 30 in total or, or maybe a little bit more than that. But they have played each other in the League Cup a few times. And most recently was in 2021 um, in a behind-the-closed-door League Cup one-leg semi-final. Spurs beat Brentford 2-0. Who scored Spurs' goals? Meaning that you got to the League Cup final yeah. in 2021? Yeah. Mourinho yeah. got sacked a few I? days before it. It was the Man City final. final. Of course. <laughs> wow, that is... That, that is. I'm, I'm glad I'm not a Spurs fan. It was, um, it was <laughs> a Man City beat and Albion 9-0 something in the other semi, didn't they? Was it that Was it that run? I think so, yeah. So who were our goal scorers as we beat Brentford 2-0 in oh. our last big game in any competition outside the league? Dave, can I hear you sharpening the Occam's razor in the background there? I mean, it's obvious, isn't it? No, I don't think it is obvious. I don't think it's obvious. Um, what do you want us to wait, do, Elliot? Is that the... Write them down or Both just shout them out? You can say who you think that it is two different scorers, who you think the two scorers are, and whoever gets the most will get the points. All right. Well, you all know what I'm going to say already, Dags. So why don't you just say two names and you know that I'm going to say the other two. I'm just trying to be rogue. I feel like it will be one obvious one and then one not so obvious one. All right. Well, well I'm going to go for Ken and Son. Was that the season? Was that the season Bale was there? It was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm going for Kane and Bale. And Dave, you've gone for Kane and Son. Mm. Yep. The answer was Sissoko and Son. <laughs> oh, he's so got, Dave he's done takes it. the point. He's done it. 
Occam's razor strikes again. Well done, Dave. Takes it was one. always going to be Sissoko, wasn't it? Jesus. <laughs> As if Mourinho was going to select Gareth Bale for a semi-final of a cup. I thought he might have been off the bench or something, but yeah, good point. Mm. Dave, I did you a disservice. You've won You've won that first round this week. You did him an assist is what you did. You did Go in my head. You're like so, Hugo Lloris is- staring down Kane for the penalty. <laughs> So this one is just a buzz around. Mm-hmm. Spurs at the World Cup. Okay. Whoever answers first gets to answer the question. So this World Cup just question, gone or just general? This World Cup just okay. gone. Yep. Which Spurs player scored the most goals? <clears throat> Go on. Uh, Richarlison. Correct. Harry Kane got two goals and three assists, but which other Spurs player achieved any of either and in what order for goals and assists? Wait, what? I don't, I don't understand, I don't understand question. that question, Leo, sorry. <laughs> Which Spurs players got the most goals and assists? Combined. Li- listing from, combined, <clears throat> listing from most to least. <clears throat> oh, go I'm going to say would be Perisic, right? Because he did he get three assists or? You haven't fully answered the question yet. Wait, I said, I've all of Which Spurs I players? Know. I don't understand. I yeah. still don't understand the question. Okay. From so... most to least, which Spurs players got the most goals and assists combined? So you so want to name every Spurs player them. that played at the World Cup. Okay, okay. So since I buzz, well, let me have a go at this. I got none, obviously. All right, since I buzz, let me have a go at this. So I'm going to go, so Perisic, then Richarlison, then who else actually got goals or assists? Um, Son got an assist. And I think that's everything, isn't it? That is everything. Yeah, nice. Sorry for the confusing wording. That one's on me. I'll take it. Oh, that was like a scramble you, you in the answered box. The, the answer, you answered the unanswerable <laughs> yeah. question. So, last question. Were there more Spurs players or ex-Spurs players <laughs> who appeared at the World Cup? Are you going to go for a 50-50, Dave? Go on. Dave, go. Ex-Spurs players. I would have said the same. That is the wrong answer. Dagus, do you want to take the question? <laughs> yeah, I suppose the Spurs players then. <laughs> how, by Still how many? wrong. Still wrong. Was it even? Was the same. Up- no. It was even. Oh, that's a dirty question. That is a dirty, each. dirty question. 12 each. 12. And if, e- if either of you were going to be right, it yeah. would be Dave with ex-Spurs players because technically Joe Rodon is out on loan. So well, you know so he's what? Both. I'm gonna, so he's half, he's a Spurs he's player half, and an ex-Spurs player. <laughs> exactly. But um, So it could be 12 and a half to 11 and a half, but it's 12 all between the two of those. So Dagus wins this round. Anyway, it's I'm, one all. I'm suddenly trying to think I? if any of the managers were ex-Spurs <laughs> players, but I don't think they were. No, but Edgar Davids was on the Holland bench. Was he? Oh, there we yeah, go. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. I think Dave should get a point for that then. <laughs> I mean... Well, mate, I lost, right? You you lost, but you're we dead even lost. going at this point. Even if you got a point there, you it's two on Staggers there, two on you in the first round. Mm-hmm. But let's just call it one all going to Who Am I? Oh. This week on Who Am I? There are three Who Am I's. Oh, God. And instead of giving out clues, I'm going to just read out a little biopic I've written about each of these experts players. It's nothing to do with anything topical like World Cups or previous fixture or okay. next fixture. It's just three random players. I'm going to read biopics about each of them. And if by the end of it, I get to it and neither of you has said an answer, you can interrupt me at any time. Yep. Then I'm going to put on a timer for 30 seconds in which you'll have to answer, all right? Okay. So we'll just buzz in if we think we know at any point. <laughs> Sounds Let's good. Exactly. So in 2005... I signed for Spurs from PSV Eindhoven after a successful season, getting to the Champions League semi-finals and winning the Dutch League. My career at Spurs involves the club's first two top six finishes in the Premier League era and a League Cup win, the club's most recent trophy in 2008. I have over 100 international caps and I first achieved global recognition as the starting left back for the fourth place team at the 2002 World Cup. Fourth place team... Timer for 30 seconds is going. Oh, yeah, I've got it. It's Leon Pio. Well done. Yeah. It is Leon That was the, the corrupt oh, South Korea that. run. Yeah, that, that's what gave it to me. <laughs> the 2002 World Cup is what I got it on. I would have had no idea otherwise. And that was the easiest of the three. Oh, good. <laughs> Great. <laughs> A versatile midfielder. I signed for the Spurs from Mets in the French League in the summer of 2021, but was left on loan for the season at my former club, starting 22 Ligue 1 matches and coming on 11 more times as we stayed up at the first attempt. Was that Pape Matassar? That is Pape Matassar. I thought that was easy. I thought that was easy in the first one, but you know, they're only easy if you know, right? 
milk whites. Well, More that's recent. giving you the win for this week, but let's do the last <laughs> do one the last anyway, one. because this is definitely the hardest one by far. <laughs> I began my career with East Fife before moving to Hibernian and then Chelsea in the then English second division. I've gone pre-Premier League, boys. Ooh. I joined FA Cup holding Spurs from Chelsea in 1991, having won the second tier championship, Division 2 back then, two years previously. I scored on my debut away at Southampton and also scored Spurs' first goal in the newly formed Premier League just over a year later. Buzz. After two seasons, go on. Gordon Jury. Correct. Yes. Three out of three. Well done, guys. I cannot believe you got a golden jury. Yeah, and you, you know so, why? Yeah. You know why? I'm pretty sure once upon a time, I asked the question when I was hosting Challenge Elio of who scored Spurs' first goal and it mm. just stuck. That's that's all it was. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Well, there, you, there you've got your three players. Lee, Saar, Gordon, Dory. Nice work. Dags. Thanks, Dave. I don't get many <laughs> wins, so I should savour this one. This is my peak. From next week onwards, it's just going to be disappointment. I'm like Alexis McAllister <laughs> leaving the World Cup to go to Bryson and play with Danny Welbeck. That's what I'm going to be like from now on. Well, I'm impressed. McAllister will sign for Scum and his career will tank. We can hope. Well, if Dagis can start off the second half of the season post-World Cup in this craziness with a win in Challengelio, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. <laughs> I would not bet against a Spurs win, and neither would Ivan Tony. <laughs> so that was Challenge Elio. I hope you enjoyed it. If that was your first time listening, I should add, if it's not already obvious, I don't normally do that well. I, I did myself there. Dave is normally particularly good at the Who Am I's in particular. So uh, thanks, Elio, for another great quiz. And thank you both for returning. It's been a pleasure and long overdue. And I'm looking forward to getting stuck into week in, week out podcasts. The next one we're going to do, Elio, is we're going to be previewing the Aston Villa game, aren't we? Which will be our first. Aston Villa and home also game. the FA Cup. Of course, yep. of course, yes. Um, in which we are playing Portsmouth, Portsmouth, who we have some in living memory, unfortunate history with in the FA Cup, which I will regale you with uh, in our next episode. <laughs> I was going to say I, I can definitely foresee a Spurs Portsmouth themed challenge Elio on the horizon, given the crossover we've had with players <laughs> and some intre- yeah, interesting. Is the answer is the answer Harry Redknapp or Saul? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, we've it. talked about your language here, okay? Or Peter or Crouch, or Peter Crouch, or, yeah, exactly. Or you etc etc we just answered all of his questions for next week so he's gonna have to tear it up and do a new one um so we're gonna be looking at those games and and obviously looking back on the brentford game and yeah so the villa game is a home game is it not Leo? so villa is a home game first game are you going back first game back in a long time how are you feeling going on new year's dave new New year's day (laughs) (laughs) that's all we have to name the next episode apparently i'm already drunk (laughs) (laughs) and you have every right to be Elio. you have every right to be you're looking forward to going back to the stadium yeah very much so i cannot wait so yeah we will hopefully finish 22 well and start 23 even better fingers crossed any closing thoughts from you dave before we let everyone go I'm really nervous about the return of Premier League football because our first two games are Man City at home and Newcastle away. <laughs> oh, so I'm just gonna well, I'm just gonna stay in a stay in a silent box for the next uh, few days. I imagine both of us will have Erling Haaland captained on FPL for that game. Triple oh, yeah. captain well, if my, you have my it. Team's not, my team's not called Emotional Hedge for nothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Highlight of the World Cup for you? Just a general any any moment that stands out. Just, just the the end. End. yeah. Elio, I mean, the without end. saying it was the perfect without ending. saying Messi lifting the cup. Salt Bay and robes aside. Any other standout <laughs> moment for you that, that you'd like to talk about? Son's assist, just because it's not the sort of thing you usually credit him with. So absolutely that. And obviously two of Richarlison's three goals oh. were absolutely lovely to watch as well. I've said this before and I'll just say it one more time. My personal highlight that I thought was absolutely hilarious and I fell about laughing was the moment where Leandro Paredes decided to just hack down Nathan Ake and then proceed to smash the ball at the Dutch bench before chaos ensued. And pretty much the rest of that game from that on was just carnage and hilarious. But no, I'm very much in the same boat as all of you, I think. Congratulations to Messi. Congratulations to Kuti and Argentina, of course. So thanks for joining us for another episode. We look forward to welcoming all of you back next week as we talk about those games and get stuck into the second half of the season. Let's hope Spurs can pick it up with a bang, just like we have. Until then, you will stay classy, Spurs fans, and we'll see you next week. (laughs) 